Thank you. That brings the time now to six minutes past 12 o'clock. Now, coming up in this hour, police have allegedly shot and killed a 17-year-old girl who was among a group of people who were protesting against the demolition of their shacks. We'll take a look at Kenya. Another person has been arrested over last weekend's terror attack at a Nairobi shopping mall center that uh, left at least 67 people dead. And uh, we'll also uh, get some comments uh, from the uh, from Dr. Samuel Nyandemo, a lecturer at University of Nairobi School of Economics. Uh, because meanwhile, the Kenya, uh, Kenya has condemned the travel advisories that has uh, been issued uh, by Western nations against the country, saying it could have happened anywhere. Now, these are some of the stories coming up in the South. But let's uh, start off with our top story. Police have allegedly shot and killed a 17-year-old girl who was among a group of people who were protesting against the demolition of their shacks in Cato Crest in Durban. Abasali Basim Jondolo, General Secretary Bandile Mgadloze, says the girl was among a group of people who were protesting against the demolition of their shacks. Now, for more on this, we joined on the line by a member of the Cato Crest community, Pastor Albert Ngobani. Pastor, good morning, good afternoon to you, rather, and would you tell us exactly what is going on there? Yes, Kurei, what I can say now, the situation seems as is getting quiet now, but still, group of people still there by the road. We also got uh, some people watching what is happening. But what is very bad and is said to us, a young girl was killed, shot in in the scene. So I've been to the family. Uh, I spoke to the father. So the mother is in the rural areas. She's not here. So they are very, very sad what has been done by the police. She was shot by the police. Mm-hmm. Now, why are the, sh- the shacks being demolished, uh, Pastor, and, and who is demolishing them? The, uh, the, the municipality and with the councillor of this area, uh, Ward 101, uh, who is demolishing their shacks. They wanted to own this land because they've been quite a long time to this area. Mm. Now, how long have the shacks been there? It's almost a year now. And, and, the, and, and the land is owned by the municipality or by the, 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 the shack dwellers? It's not owned by the municipality. It, it, it doesn't show who it belongs to. It's just a, like a vacant area. Hmm. Now, according to your information, Pastor, what exactly happened then with the, with the protests? Uh, did the, did the, the, the protesters attack the police or did the, the police attack them? The police attacked them because they were just marching on the road with, with no firearms on their hands. They were just marching to voice out to 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 the people what's going on, because they want they want to get a report from the municipality uh, for the memorandum that was sent on the 16th of September at City Hall. So then they were promised that after seven days the response will come from municipality. So which is something didn't happen. Now what will so that ha- is why people are, are angry now. Now as a community member, Pastor, what will happen now next? What is going to happen now, we are going to do the investigation on all those things. And we are trying now to, take, to tell the people to move back to their places, uh, to their houses where they are now, for time being, till the, till the situation comes down. And will you now negotiate with the police and the municipality around these issues? Now, I'm with the people now in the city. And the police are uh, just parking there, uh, did negotiate with them. I said to them, they mustn't kill the people. Otherwise, they must just warn them not to put the, the proper bullets. They must just 
use only water or just to warn them not to kill. We don't want to see the bloodshed. We don't want to see people dying. And do you think that this protest will now end, uh, Pastor? It won't end now because I see people are dying as one maybe short death and two of them are injured are in the hospital. People are angry, yeah. It's something we need to take serious to this day to, to find the solution, how we can resolve this issue. And so says Pastor Albert Ngubani. Now, he is uh, the Cato Crest community uh, member there. Uh, but also joining us on the line is the KwaZulu-Natal police spokesperson, uh, Colonel Jay Nyker. Colonel, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Colonel, can you confirm reports that a girl was shot and killed during the clashes this morning? Well, first and foremost, I need to think, I think we should put things into perspective from the police's point of view. Um, our police officers were on duty this morning at approximately 4 o'clock when they received a report that the Cato uh, Manor Road, which is Belair Road, was blockaded by local members of the community. The members that are on, on, on duty that attend to complaints then responded immediately. When they got to the blockade, they found that they could not go through with a vehicle and they had to use an alternative side road, which is Harcom Gardens Road. When the police officers got to Hockham Gardens Road, they found a mob of approximately 500 people waiting for them. The people immediately surrounded the police vehicle. They stoned the police vehicle. They broke the windows in the police vehicle. And police also heard gunshots go off amongst the crowd. The police members, fearing for their lives, locked themselves inside of the vehicle because they could not move the vehicle because they were surrounded by this mob. The suspects also broke, managed to break the windows and then opened the vehicles and attempted to pull these police members out. Realizing that they were going to be killed, these police officers then used their service firearms and fired uh, three shots towards the crowd. When they fired those shots, the, the crowd then dispersed, and this allowed the police members then to reverse their vehicle and return to the police station and wait to get back, uh, get back up. When they arrived back to the scene, then they arrived, the two females were injured in the shootout, and one of them had died on the scene. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> what actually happened? So they were on their way to the, the protest. Before they could get to the protest, they were attacked. Is that what you say? No, they were not, they were not told that there was a protest action. Mm-hmm. From, our, from what is clear to us, it would seem like this, this group had ambushed police because they blockaded the main road, which is used, which is the lay road. And knowing that the police will use the alternative road that was next to the uh, to to the, the main road, they were standing and waiting for the people. They don't normally protest on the side road. It's a small, narrow lane. They normally protest on the main road. So police didn't know that there was a mob waiting for it. Mm-hmm. They attempted to go around the blockade to see what was going on on the other side. Have you arrested anyone so far? Well, no, we immediately, when the allegations surfaced, we immediately, in all uh, incidents of this nature, we call the, investiga- the independent police investigative directors out to the scene. Uh, they came out to the scene and they t- took over the investigation. We've opened a case of public violence as, as well as murder. And uh, the ICED will now be investigating the matter. And we'll allow them to follow the due processes and obviously then identify who could be responsible uh, for the incident that occurred this morning. The situation currently in uh, Cato Crest, uh, what is it like? 
Well, the, the situation has been uh, going on for this for, for weeks now. There have been protest actions. Um, the, the, the community would blockade the roads. Police would get there. And obviously this puts a lot of stress on our manpower because there's normal police officers that need to attend to crime because we have a, uh, in a community complaining about crime. But we spend a lot of time at these protest actions. And uh, it seems like now the police are caught up on this in, uh, in, the, in this scenario yet. Uh, we're not responsible to, to attend to their grievances regarding um, the, lo- the local issues that they're complaining about. Have you requested reinforcements from the provincial government? The police have been, uh, naturally, as I said, you know, we, we police the criminal part of the, we have a constitutional mandate to maintain law and order, and that is our main role on the scene. There is other role players that are involved attending to the grievance of the community. And we, and whilst we respect that people have the constitutional right to demonstrate, we ask that they do it in a peaceful manner. Do not use violence and, uh, and, and, and in these protest actions. So are you in control of the current protests as we stand? Absolutely. We, we've been uh, managing the situation for a while. But um, like I said, there's a difference between peaceful protests and violent, the violent action that we saw this morning. And so says the KwaZulu-Natal police spokesperson, Colonel J. Naika. It is now 16 minutes past 12 o'clock. The authorities in Nigeria say there was no security protection at the agricultural college in Yobe State where 50 college students were shot and killed as they slept yesterday allegedly by rebel sect group Boko Haram. Special advisor to the state government, Abdullah Bego, says that they will work with the military to increase protection. This as the Nigerian army continues its search for the group who brutally murdered the student in their dormitories in the northeast of the country. Now, for more on this, we join on the line by Sayi Gazide, who is uh, the online editor of the Nigerian Tribute. Sayi, good uh, afternoon to you. And can you briefly tell us what is the latest regarding the attacks over the weekend? Yeah, good morning, South Africa. Yes, uh, on the evening, in the United States, as if one is accumulated, the suspected members of the Quorum, as the other of Sunday, Fire in a college dormitory in Yobe. And the students left and they killed at least 40 people. The situation obviously was tense, but as of the moment, the security officers are taking charge of the situation. We don't have of, uh, any official record that somebody has been arrested, neither as the Boko Haram members officially blamed responsibility for the killing. But you know, as it happens in Nigeria, when such massive of killing happens, it is believed that it is done by Boko Haram members. But for now, they are not the end of official claim from them that they actually did it. But we just assume, you know, that the energy of the people and obviously the media that it was an act committed by Boko Haram members. The government of the state has actually spoken and uh, we had gone to pay visit to the people who had already been uh, in coffee and the mortuary and he has also come on the federal government to help in fighting the score of Bukharat in the state. I mean, you can So, as of now, normally has returned back to the state and the security people are obviously looking for those that have been the act. So, that's actually the latest on the station for now. 
We understand that there was no security at the college. Uh, did the authorities say why was that the case? So, you know, as uh, Boko Haram has already given the reason why they are causing problems in, uh, in the country. They want to Islam, Islamicize uh, the people of the north. So they actually did not give any reason why they actually did the killing. As I said, they did not officially claim the responsibility for the killing. So nobody will know why they actually went to that college or kill people while they were sleeping. You know, so until they come out to speak to the public on what it is. Nobody can actually speak on that behalf. So as you know, these are tolerant people who obviously may not give you reason why they actually did a particular mm-hmm. thing until the authorities will actually come out to tell us that this is why they actually did it. That's where we got to leave it. Unfortunately, that is Sayi Gazide, who is the online editor at the Nigerian Tribute. Now, we apologize for the bad connection there. Uh, Could not really exactly make out what uh, all the the entire conversation, but as you heard, the Nigerian authorities in uh, Nigeria say that there were no security protection at the agricultural college in Yorba State, where 50 college students were shot and killed as they slept yesterday, allegedly by the rebel group uh, Boko Haram. It is now 19 minutes past 12. Taking a look at uh, some of our top stories uh, in this hour. The Department of Water and Environmental Affairs has convened the 16th International Union of Air Pollution uh, Convention and the first day of the tribunal into the alleged misconduct of Western Cape Judge President John Schlope has opened with arguments on legal technicalities. Looking at the markets, gold is trading at $1,336.42 an ounce, platinum at $1,418.20 an ounce, the rand is trading at 10 rand and 7 cents against the US dollar at 16 rand and 27 cents. 27 cents to the pound and at 16 rand and 60 cents to the euro. Illegal liquor trading and contravention of trade conditions are largely the cause of irresponsible consumption as consumers get the supply without the restrictions required by law. Let's all work together to clamp down on irresponsible and illegal liquor trading and consumption. Combating liquor abuse is everyone's business. Comment, monitor and report. Report illegal liquor trading to 012-353-6111. The DTI, empowering industries and broadening economic participation. Now, 21 minutes past 12 o'clock. Now, remember, you can engage with us on that uh, number, the SMS number 34701. That's 34701. Start your SMS with the word weekend. Uh, You can also like us on the Facebook page. Uh, The Facebook page there uh, is uh, Midday Live at SAFM Midday Live. That's the Facebook page. Um, And, of course, um, uh, you can keep them coming. Uh, right here on the uh, email address as well. The email address is uh, middaylive at uh, sabc.co.za. Just a reminder again, that uh, email address is middaylive at uh, sabc.co.za. Now, this uh, SMS uh, from Saboon uh, PE says, a pathetic handling of the situation. Why not have the pastor and the police spokesperson on the line at the same time so we can hear the truth? It's not about the truth. Uh, it's about what's happening currently on the 
with Ground Cebu, and we've given you that. Uh, the pastor was uh, telling us exactly what's happening in the community, and the police are saying exactly what happened from their side. Now, our leader will ensure that we get the fuel at cost price by nationalizing all Middle East countries as we fight for economic freedom. The voters will join us now at that one, unfortunately, unsigned. In fact, it says here, uh, by one or a tooth by tooth, says Jack Dima. He's a UNISA student, uh, a freedom fighter, uh, economic freedom fighter voter. Now, 22 minutes past 12 o'clock, let's go to Kenya. Another person has been arrested over a last weekend's terror attack at a Nairobi shopping mall that left at least 67 people dead. Meanwhile, Kenya has condemned the travel advisories issued by Western nations against the country, saying it could have happened anywhere. The warnings could have uh, dire effects uh, on the one billion, ra- billion U.S. dollar a year tourism industry. Now, to look into the economic impact on Kenya, we joined on the line by Dr. Samuel Nyandemo, lecturer at the University of Nairobi School of Economics. Uh, doctor, good afternoon to you. Now, the U.S. have uh, issued travel advisories against Kenya. What do you make of this? This is quite unfortunate and untimely because we expected U.S. as a partner to Kenya not to rush into giving uh, necessary advisory warnings to its citizens. Definitely, this is going to have uh, a negative impact with respect to the flow of tourists to Kenya. And ultimately, it will compromise the, the foreign exchange earnings, which we normally rely heavily from the tourist sector. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned the tourism sector. In any case, we, we expected the Americans to be a bit sympathetic, given the fact that the, the rumors which we have, some of these terrorists, have some kind of uh, bearing towards the Minnesota. And above all, uh, it's important to take note that the America has always been a target. And I think uh, the Al-Zababs, they are not looking for Kenyans, they are looking for Americans wherever they are. Mm-hmm. So to that extent, I expected the Americans to be a bit polite and uh, not to rush into giving unnecessary advisory warnings. Now, you've mentioned, uh, Dr. Clearly, that the tourism sector will be one of the sectors that will feel the pinch more. Um, but what will the overall impact on the economy of the country be? I think we need to analyze it from various dimensions, not only from the tourist sector, uh, but by and large, we expect the tourist sector to be affected within the wrong run. And more importantly, we expect the domestic business to decline a bit because currently when you fit the various malls in town, a good number of customers have side away from shopping. And these ultimately will have an impact in terms of business transactions within the economy. Secondly, we see a case where this will affect investments. Because it's, I guess, now it's a game of uh, wait and uh, see, and then it from there make a decision. I think ultimately we can conclude it as follows, that there is some element of uh, political uncertainty, there is an element of insecurity, which ultimately will have a negative impact 
in the overall economic activities within the domestic economy. Leave alone the investments. Now, given the political and domestic and both uh, domestic and foreign. Mm-hmm. Now, Doctor, given the political and security uncertainty and the recent challenges in Kenya, how are the markets doing currently? I think the markets are a bit shaken. We see a case even uh, the stock exchange markets are uh, dwindling. But more importantly, the transactions are uh, down to their minimum. Even the fact that the majority of Customers are fearing from going to uh, malls. They are fearing from going to uh, public places where uh, security is compromised. And more importantly, they are keeping a watch and observe situation. Now, Doctor, in closing... Um, what uh, what will Kenya now do? Will they engage again with the U.S. to reconsider this decision? Well, I think it's upon the Minister of Foreign Affairs to re-engage the United States and employ a new strategy in terms of reassuring the American government that the, the Kenya government is trying its level best to uplift its security status. But more importantly, also, we expect a case where we must have a multifaceted strategy in terms of not only dealing with the Americans, but also opening new avenues in terms of looking for better markets also, both from the African side, the Asian side, and the Far East, in order to target more tourists from those new areas. After all, if we rely on Britons and Americans, who are the main target in Kenya, we might be on the losing end. And that was Dr. Samuel Nyademo, a lecturer at the University of Nairobi School of Economics. Now, let's go back to Nigeria. Earlier, we told you the authorities in Nigeria say there was no security protection at the, at the, at the agricultural college in Yobe State, where 50 college students were shot and killed. And we had, um, uh, joining us on the line, Sei Gazide, who is the online editor at the Nigerian Tribute. Now, we didn't have a very clear line earlier, so let's try again, uh, Sei. Good, good afternoon once again to you. Just update us again in terms of what is the latest regarding the attack over the weekend? Yeah, good morning, um, Dr. Um Well, as you are right about uh, the suspected uh, Boko Haram insurgents, they went to the College of Agriculture in United States on Sunday and killed um, people, up to 50 students in the school. And um, now the credit to have actually taken charge of the position. But the is that the bodies of those that were killed have been recovered and stayed at the, at the hospital in uh, Ube State. The governor of the state has actually called on the national government to assist in fighting the Boko Haram insurgency in the state. You know, that's actually the latest for now. Though Boko Haram has not actually claimed responsibility for killing, but it has been assumed, you know, as They've done in the past that when such a magnitude of killing happened in Nigeria, you write that it is done by the Boko Haram people. And Boko Haram is basically also being the uh, suggested of Boko Haram members, you know. But for now, nobody has actually come out to say they did, you know. But the government has taken a decision and the normalcy has returned back to the, to the 
college. Though we learned that over 1,000 students have actually fled the college for safety. So that's actually the latest for now. Say, you are waiting the security report, you know. Say, the, what is the next of action? Say, I'm going to ask you to hold it for a second. We're just going to go to the news headlines and we'll come back to you in a short while. It is 12.30, time for the news headlines. Now let's go back to Nigeria. As you heard earlier, the authorities in Nigeria say there was no security or protection at the Agricultural College in Yobe State where 50 college students were shot and killed as they slept yesterday, allegedly by the rebel sect group Boko Haram. On the line joining us is Seji Gizedi, who is the online editor of the Nigerian Tribune. Now Seji, let's pick up where we left off. We understand that there was no security at the college. Did the authorities say why was that the case? Well, just like uh, you have read in the in the media, obviously the state government would pass the anticipated others. Boko Haram people may want to invade the college, so they may probably not go beyond the normal security that the school might have actually put in place for the courts, you know. So um, I think it is actually the only the state government that can actually speak on this or the college authorities get it, you know. But even in places with uh, security in the country, you know that Bukharan people are actually invaded in. The other time, Bukharan people went to the UN um, building in Abuja and Dakari uh, attacked the, the complex. So we will not say that the UN is not actually put up security at that place. So it's not a function of whether there is security or not. These are terrorist groups that are willing to even break into the security of any state or any institution. So, we probably will not blame anybody or the government for that, but it's just unfortunate that it happened. You know, and as government has said, they have put great measures in place now to ensure that it will not happen again. So, that is actually the fact I can actually tell you on this. And what has been the reaction from the nation to this attack? Well, obviously, what the nation has condemned the attack, you know, it's actually what all Nigerians stand against. Nobody wants terrorists to actually disturb the peaceful questions of this country. So Nigerians have spoken against it. Authorities have spoken against it. All right-wing have spoken against it. Even for religious circle, the Bukhara people have been condemned by the Muslim leaders that they are not actually representing their interests. So everybody has actually moved against it. And uh, every time is actually on these people to ensure that they are pushed out of the different territories they have actually occupied in Nigeria. So nobody is Everybody is speaking against the activities. And that is Sey who is the online editor of the Nigerian Tribute. Thank you so much for coming back to us and uh, giving us a better line there to give us an update what happened there in Nigeria in Yobe State. It is now 12.34. Back home. The National Union of Mine Workers has joined the fight against plans by Anglo Platinum American, uh, by Anglo American Platinum rather, mine to retrench 3,300 workers. NUM says it will take Amplas to court over the issue. The rival union AMCO started striking over the issue on Friday. Amplas have warned that the job cuts are necessary for its survival and that its entire workforce of 43,000 may be affected if it doesn't go ahead with the retrenchments. Joining us on the line we've, with more details and the outcome of today's meeting at uh, Tembela is our reporter, uh, Dial Katsewa. Dial, good afternoon to you. In fact, if not, uh, we're not going to our reporter right now. We're first going to Lasiba Shoshoka uh, to discuss this issue with us. And uh, Lasiba is the National Union of Mine Workers spokesperson. Lasiba, good afternoon to you. Can you confirm to us that NUM is indeed joining the strike? 
Well, we, we are not in a position to confirm that we are joining the strike. We have made it clear that as the NUM, we uh, take strike action as our last resort. So as a union, we have decided that we take the matter to the Labour Court tomorrow uh, to apply for an agent interdict. Of course, should we not be successful in the application process, we we'll then have to look... Uh, at other avenues, which include a, a, a legally protected strike action. So, so you have not joined the strike, is that what you're saying, but you're going to do it through the CCMA? Well, we're not joining the strike. We're going to court tomorrow, to the Labour Court, on this matter. And we have made it clear to our members that um, if it is safe for them to go to work, they have to go to work. The reality here is that um, as a union, we feel that we have not exhausted all other news um, to Kesway and Platinum to drop the issue of retrenchment. And this is why we feel that if we were to take them to uh, the Labour Court tomorrow and then say, um, having taken them to the Labour Court tomorrow, we are successful in our bid to have an interdict. Uh, that will pave a better way for, for us uh, in, in, in the sense that we will be able to know how do we move forward from there. So, if you say that uh, all avenues have not been exhausted, what other avenues are you talking about besides the Labour Court? Like I'm saying, one of the avenues we have to undertake is to go to the Labour Court. And this is what we are doing tomorrow. If we are not successful, we will then um, uh, proceed with notifying Andrew Platinum of our intention to embark on strike action. Now, Anglo-American Platinum Mine plans to retrench 3,300 workers. What are you as the union proposing, given the challenges faced by the mining company? In our discussion with Anglo Platinum, in terms of Section 189, we have agreed on particular processes. Firstly, we have agreed uh, that uh, those that want to take voluntary severance packages will be allowed to do so. And uh, indeed, about 1,600 or so, have already come forward. Secondly, we have said that given the statistics that were given to us by Anglo-American, uh, it would be good actually to have um, um, the rest of the workforce being given an opportunity to continue to work. Because in terms of the attrition statistics, it has become clear that if Anglo-Platinum were to wait, say, for a, a, a few months, those targets could be met through natural attrition. And that is uh, the uh, Labour, uh, the National Union of Mine Workers spokesperson, Lashiba Sosoka. Now let's uh, go back to our reporter on the scene. It doesn't look like we have our reporter uh, currently on scene. We're going to get uh, that particular story. That brings the time now to 12.38. Hi, I'm Valen Kirti. I'm a Shake the World ambassador, which means that I support the eight millennium development goals set by the United Nations in 2000. Lime green, orange and dark green bees adorn my wrist because I support goal two, achieving primary education. Goal number three, promoting gender equality and empowering women. And goal seven, ensuring environmental sustainability. These are massive tasks which will need the energy of millions. My support is how I shake the world. How do you shake the world? Shake, shake. This is SAFM. It is now 12.39. Former Hard Living's gang leader Rashid Stahi has reported for duty at the Cape Restoration Centre in Belleville. He was dropped at the centre by a white German luxury vehicle. 
Stachy's duties at the centre are part of his day parole conditions, where he will work during the day and return to Portsmouth Prison in Tokai for the night. Tandizer Mao reports. Stachy has served 11 years of a 15-year sentence for his part in the rape of a 17-year-old girl. Shandal Knight is now under the Witness Protection Programme. Stachy was offered a job as a cleaner at the Cape Restoration Centre. Conditions by the Department of Correctional Services for Day Parole state that an offender must be gainfully employed. Pastor Ivan Waldeck runs the centre. The correction service is very strict with the regulations. He also have that monitoring bar system on him. If I want to send him to the shop to buy something, he cannot leave the perimeter. So they came and they marked all the, the whole area where he's supposed to be. Waldeck says they presently have 25 residents who are undergoing rehabilitation programs. He says he's confident that Stachy will be rehabilitated, but there have been concerns about his life and his safety. Our premises have a 24 system security and a 24-hour guard at the gates of our premises. Rehabilitated gangsters at the center say this center has played a crucial role in transforming their lives. And I've learned that I must come to the point where I'm, I need to change my ways. I mean, I have a whole new life now. I see a, a whole different future for myself now. I'm grateful and thankful for what Pastor is doing in my life, bringing a restoration in my life, bringing a restoration in my family's life, and I'm very proud. And that, uh, of course, uh, was Rashid Stahi there, uh, and those were some of the residents, rather, at the Cape Restoration Centre, end, ending that report by Tandiza Mau in Cape Town. It is now 12.41. It's uh, Washington has less than 24 hours in which to prevent a government shutdown as Republicans and Democrats remain at loggerheads over a new budget. Now, if they fail to reach an agreement on the spending bill, government shutdown will begin at uh, 12.01 a.m. That's on Tuesday. Now, this is a move which will have huge immediate implications for the country's 800,000 government employees. Dimakatsu Lashoro reports. The war of words continues between the Republicans who control the House of Representatives and the Democrats who have a majority in the Senate. The source of disagreement, President Obama's signature health care, which extends health insurance to millions of those without coverage. The Republicans are seeking big spending cuts, which may strike at the heart of these programs. The Democrats, however, have not minced their words, saying they're not prepared to approve a spending plan that favors cuts in health care. But the Republicans are having none of it and they are just as resolute. John Barrasso is a Republican senator. It's unpopular. Uh, it is unaffordable for us as a nation. It's hurting jobs. It's hurting the economy. But as the deadline to reach a deal looms, one thing is clear. Kathy Rogers is member of the House of Representatives. The Senate needs to act. They need to act quickly. They should be in today. Chief Economist at Investment Solutions, Chris Hart, weighs in. There's a chance that a deal doesn't get done, and the government does shut down. That's happened in the, the, the mid-90s that, that that happened. And basically, that they really are between a rock and a hard place. They've got enormous debts that are being racked up very quickly. And, of course, the, the one side is saying, we can't rack these debts up. We've got to actually put some sort of controls. Delays in reaching a deal will mean that about 800,000 civil servants will go unpaid. Bridget Taylor, director at Dreadnought Capital, explains. Effectively what it means is 
that um, the government employees go on some unpaid leave, as well as the fact that it's effectively sort of a voluntary default, which doesn't bode well for the ratings agencies with respect to downgrading the U.S. again. At midday, global markets were in negative territory and remain on tenterhooks as the uncertainty continues. Taylor again. The global market uncertainty at the moment is driving uh, riskier assets off books. So you're seeing the likes of South African assets selling off. You're seeing the RAND deteriorate. You're seeing other emerging markets also in a similar sort of scenario as um, the markets just remain unbelievably uncertain. And with this kind of backdrop, you know, we're looking at um, other developed markets as well as the U.S. not growing at the rate that we would like to see. But even more concerning is the U.S. massive debt of just under 17 trillion U.S. dollars. By mid-October, the U.S. will technically run out of money and default on its debts. Its creditors include China, Japan, as well as the South African Reserve Bank, amongst others. A U.S. default would rock the bond market and have the global economy back in the doldrums. However, most investors consider it implausible that U.S. lawmakers would allow that to happen. A similar showdown two years ago pushed the nation to within days of missing payments and led to ratings firm Standard & Poor's to strip Washington of its top-notch credit rating. I think there's major implications. The U.S. 10-year Treasury, for instance, is the most important Treasury in the world in terms in terms of benchmarking yields, all financial markets basically use this yield as a reference point. We've seen these yields start to creep up, and of course that, that could signal a loss of confidence in the premier safe haven asset of the world. What does all this mean for South Africa? Dreadnought's Bridget Taylor. We look at South Africa, we've got the trade data coming out, and you know, unfortunately in South Africa we've got a two-pronged approach. One, we've got a rand that's weakening on the back of the unrest that we've seen in South Africa, as well as the move away from the risk area assets, which has been driven largely by what's happening in the developed world and obviously consequently with regards to the United States and the debt ceiling. However, the concern in South Africa is that we're not able to maximize in terms of the weaker exchange rate that should make our exports more competitive because our export sector has been under a lot of pressure. Chris Hart agrees. Things become riskier. People will pull money out of risky areas like uh, emerging markets. It means a weaker end. For example, higher petrol prices will be one of the consequences, higher food prices. For SABC News in Johannesburg, I'm Dimakasa Lishoro. It is now 12.45. It's time to find out what's happening on the markets as we cross to the dealer room at Sassman Securities with Paul Moore. Good afternoon, Paul. Uh, good afternoon, Elvis. How has the U.S. budget now affected our markets? Well, uh, Elvis, our market is trading lower, uh, tracking uh, lower close in the east on uh, the U.S. Uh, budget row. Markets are also lower in Europe, where the foot is down 0.82%, DEX down 0.92%, and the CAC foot is 1.16% lower. Back to the JC, we've got the gold index down 0.1%, resource index down 1.3%, industrial index down 0.6%, financial index down 0.56%, the overall market is down 341 points, or 0.77% to 44,018 points. And uh, if we look at uh, the results from the uh, Petman and uh, the York Timber? Uh, firstly, Petman released their full year result. The headline earnings per share came in at uh, 15.25 cents. That's against 19.06 cents previously. A dividend of uh, 3 cents per share was declared. Petmin is currently trading 2.5% higher at 2 rands and 5 cents. And lastly, York Timber also released their full year result. Headline earnings per share came in at 33 cents. That's against 42 cents previously. No dividend was declared. And uh, York Timber is currently trading 5.8% lower at 3 rands and 75 cents. 
Are there any big movers today? Uh, on the upside, we've got uh, AF3 up uh, 13.6% to 6 rands and 60 cents. Uh, on news that uh, the company has uh, received a proposal whereby the shares could be delisted and shareholders could receive uh, 7 rands per share. Astropec also up 9.8% to 6 rands and 15 cents. Uh, Hospitality B up uh, 6% to 16 rands and 60 cents. Sefin up 3.8% to 37 rands and 59 cents. Associated O up 3.4% to 427 rands and 73 cents. On the downside, with Aspen down 1.4% uh, to 264 rands and 63 cents. Data Tech down 1.3% to 59 rands and 24 cents. Bitvest down 1.25% to 251 rands and 83 cents. Discovery down 1.1% to 82 rands and 13 cents. And lastly, SEPI down 1% to 25 rands and 20 cents. And lastly, what are the latest market indicators? The gold price is currently quoted $1,336.43 an ounce. Platinum $1,416.85 a fine ounce. Brand crude $106.95 per barrel. The Garmin R157 is selling at yield of 0.67%. And now to our currencies, the range to the dollar is at 10 rands and 8 cents. The range to the euro is at 13 rands and 61 cents. The range to the pound is at 16 rands and 30 cents. Back to Elvis. Thank you, Paul More from the dealer room at Sasfin Securities. Are you up to date with the world of property? For all things property, what are your rights as a property owner and or purchaser? Are you a tenant or the landlord and you need advice? What is the value of your investment in commercial property in South Africa? What matters are of importance in discussing land ownership? Trust us to simplify and help you understand the detail in all things property. Join me, Dineo Mulomo, every week on Tuesday morning on Morning Talk at 10.30. Hi, I'm Valen Kirti. I'm a Shake the World Ambassador, which means that I support the 8 Millennium Development Goals set by the United Nations in 2000. Lime green, orange and dark green bees adorn my wrist because I support Goal 2, achieving primary education. Goal number 3, promoting gender equality and empowering women. And Goal 7, ensuring environmental sustainability. These are massive tasks which will need the energy of millions. My support is how I shake the world. How do you shake the world? Shake, shake. This is SAFM. Remember, you can engage with us on that uh, SMS line, 34701. That is the SMS line. And uh, you can also join us on Twitter. That Twitter handle is S- at SAFM Midday Live. You can also send an email uh, to Midday Live at SABC. Now, some uh, this one uh, from Bedouza, uh And he says on the email, John Schlope is just a victim of political conspiracy. On the SMS line, um, this one from Joyce says, Elvis, when I heard your voice, I thought it was Weekend AM Live. Good to have you. This one unsigned says, Weekend, I don't know who is right or wrong concerning that situation in Durban. But what I would like to emphasize, the fact that even though it is according to the Constitution of South Africa to strike and to contest, if the community is not happy of whatsoever, but the community must respect and cooperate with the police in whatever action they are involved in, NB the community must always bear in mind that the police are also human beings, family members, and also the police must not overreact when they are responding 
to such situations. These are some of your comments on the SMS line. Keep them coming. We'll read them as we continue. The Arms Procurement Commission will commence the, uh, its public hearings this morning after adjourning for a week. The Soriti Commission of Inquiry into the 1999 arms deal was adjourned last week and will resume today. Last week, the commission was postponed because the chairperson, Judge Willie Soriti, was ill. The commission was also reported to use uh, the week to conduct further investigations and consultations, according to commission spokesperson William Baloy. Now, for more on this, we joined on the line by our reporter, Pumzile Mlangeni, for an update. Uh, Pumzile, good afternoon to you, and can you give us an update uh, on what's happening at the hearings? Afternoon, Elvis. Well, the Commission resumed this morning slightly later than expected, as they made an announcement that, you know, a judge is quite busy at the moment, and the Commission will uh, start uh, slightly just before 12, so it hasn't been a uh, that long since it started, and we have seen the first witness to appear on behalf of Amskor at the, the commission. He's one of the eight witnesses that will appear on behalf of the uh, Amanence company. His name is Davi Hrizal, and he's the acting general manager of the acquisitions at Amskor. He plays a very important role because he's also got a son knowledge of the acquisition processes. He's the co-author of the Amscor and the Department of Defense's acquisition policies uh, that uh, that's subsequently led to the uh, procurement of the SDPPs in 1999. So he's continuing with with his evidence. He's giving evidence, and uh, the commission so far has had of um, presentations. Actually, we've seen Chrisal uh, presenting uh, the, the processes and the, the, the that en- that are um, entailed in the whole. Uh, acquisition uh, deal. Now, the National Treasury are also expected to make presentations to the Commission on the rationale behind the armaments acquisitions. Have they done so? Well, they haven't, and it will will take a a, a bit more time before they do that, because you can remember that the present year this time we're expecting that all witnesses from the Navy, the Air Force, and AMSCO would have concluded with uh, their evidence before the commission. Uh, But AMSCO witnesses have just started today. It's eight of them, and this is because AMSCO submitted the witness list very late. Uh, at this time, we're expecting uh, Minister, former Minister uh, Musiwa Lekota to come and give evidence, but due to the fact that there have also been postponements in between and that AMSCO also submitted their list very late, that is why we are seeing this. So we will probably take longer than that because we now we expect the AMSCO to finish, AMSCO witnesses to finish, and then that's when they say that the um, our former Minister Musuwa Lekota will come together with uh, Ronnie Castro after that, and also officials from the Treasury will come, but that is not going to happen now until we see uh, AMSCO witnesses finishing off, which it won't be any time soon. That's our reporter on the scene, Pumzile Mlangeni, at the Arms Procurement Commission. It is now 12.54. It's time for the world of arts and popular culture with Michelle Constant.